It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Nyler Nine podcast. You are listening to myself, Nyler Nine, and Andrea Cleary. Hi, hello. <laughs> TV, always, TV. always, always an extra beat in there that I'm like, <laughs> is she here? Is she actually there? She's. I'm looking at her. I can see. I can see she's looking at me. I see the mouth's about to open, but sometimes it's like <laughs> it's, that. There's Hi. there's so much in that silence there. I'm like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's me i'm keeping you on your toes making sure yes <laughs> making sure it's good okay we're counting hi the beats. hello we're counting How the beats. this is a music podcast um, so <laughs> we start off by doing that um yeah <laughs> how are you doing you were on the tv last night Niall. yes we're going to talk about uh that but we'll also be talking about saint vincent's album daddy's home which is the sixth album from Annie clark that's our our main draw tonight but uh yes i was the main draw on Virgin Media One last night, it seems not yes, not Melvin Ben or Holly Carnes or anyone like that it was me. Yeah, obviously. No, you I was on representing the Nyler Nyler.com. Yeah, yeah. As, uh, <laughs> Matt Cooper called it. Yeah, um, and Luno Club. I think he said instead of Luno Club. Luno Club. Yeah, uh, he did mention the podcast. I thought you spoke. I thought you spoke brilliantly on uh, the arts and the live music sector. Thank you very well much. Done. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm doing this thing lately where I just say yes to things that make me feel uncomfortable. And uh, mm. that has me- meant, you know, going to present TV stuff in live stream uh, gigs and, and uh, in- doing interviews on camera and uh, doing live TV. So that's new. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a nerve wracking experience because I haven't done it in about 10 years. I think the last time I was on, I've never been on a current affairs news show before. So that was a new experience for me and uh, uh but it was good it was really good like there was no one in the studio <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like in the studio at half at 11 o'clock at night it's yourself and matt cooper and a 
and a producer and uh, no one else is the in the dream. room. And obviously because of COVID, no one else is in the room. Even, <laughs> there's no cameramen or, or women or so. Mm. It's just like, there's no camera people. It's just, we're all just there and mm. there's like a cameras on a rumba and that's it. So it's a very easy uh, <laughs> way in. It's not like going on the late late or anything, you know what I mean? So uh, It'd be really odd with um, ca- cameras just moving around freely. I feel like that would... That would scare me. You know, my my fear of technology. Well, it, they don't move it's, much. It's, it's basically what what if you what if a camera got a gun? They look like dogs. Um, <laughs> you know, they're 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 not moving fast. <laughs> okay. Um but yeah, that was great. Um thanks, thanks and, for all your I mean my 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 big news is that I'm um I'm propagating my jade plant. So I mean that was exciting so, for me. It was hear. a big day. Yeah, yeah. I sent you the the pictures. Um I chopped off some some stems from it so they're they're drying out to callus on the on the windowsill uh, and hopefully i'll have about four new jade plants um soon so that's my big news from this week uh to be in it with a chance to win a jade plant <laughs> just go to patreon.com <laughs> and we're starting um, yeah. a, a gardening side hustle uh podcast I, m- I might do i might do yeah you never know um Nylon but anyway fingers. we're not here to talk about gardening <laughs> Nine fingers. yeah i like it uh we're not here to talk about gardening we're here to talk about saint vincent um, yeah today's episode this week's episode is all about uh the new saint vincent album um it's called daddy's home and uh, we'll be talking about that. Also, yeah, we should say, um, obviously, I was on uh, the TV talking about live music. Melvin Ben was on beforehand. Did you catch him saying, um, <laughs> anyone who wants a virus can get a virus? <laughs> I, did. I think he meant vaccine, but you know. He's not wrong, though. No, he's not wrong. If you, if you really want a virus, you can go out there and get one. Yeah, I mean, he's propagating the uh, idea that electric picnic might happen this year. Look, I don't think it's going to happen, lads, okay? Can you imagine no, a multi-stage, so. uh, uh, multi-day camping festival happening within four months and when we're not even allowed to have like 10 people no. in a room and, I mean, he's, he said on a, you know, 80,000 people, the idea of 80,000 people is just terrifying to me. And you you, you made the point actually um, that even picturing like a couple of thousand people in a room is so kind of beyond what we're able to conceive in our heads at the moment um that uh, yeah it's it just I, I i feel like if, if i was to go if someone was like right it's completely safe off you go to a festival i'd walk in the gates and i'd see everybody and i just have an anxiety attack and go home like yeah it you know and i mean that's not too far off where i was before the pandemic but now it's like oh go oh boy um yeah. so well, I mean, yeah. I will say, apparently, there, you know, those pilot events are looking like they're going to happen in July. It means that we are trying to get uh, back indoors and hopefully maybe without social distancing, if that's the plan, because um, we have mm. to. We have to get you can't realistically put those events on continuously with I know the gradual thing is maybe a possibility. But also, if we're talking about getting back to October, November, we need to. Uh, rapidly uh, get that up in terms of numbers yeah. so that it makes sense financially and commercially and all of the other reasons there, as well. There are some gigs that will kind of work fine with social distancing, like, a, you know, like a folk gig or like a, a more kind of low-key Yeah, but the return, vibe, the proper return of, of, of gigs, you know, will require yeah. people standing very close, too close to each other as you normally would expect. But look, we'll leave it that there because that's a conversation for another day because I'm sure we'll be hearing more in the next few weeks about what happens on the live front once again because we did cover it. I look, I look forward to your appearance in the doll yes, any, anytime me, me soon. Too. I'll be on, I'll be on uh, Rockdust TV next. Okay, <laughs> it's time to talk about St. Vincent's sixth album. 
is called Daddy's Home. Here is the opening track from it. It's called Pay Your Way in Pain. So that is St. Vincent from her sixth album. It is called Daddy's Home and the title refers to her father's release from prison after doing 10 years in prison for the manipulation of the stock market with a scheme that defrauded 17,000 investors out of 43 million. This is the first time we've heard this uh, properly. Um, she's managed mm. to keep this very quiet um, over the years. I think yeah, it came it out. Was, it, was bro- it, it was broke by the by the Daily Mail back when she was, yeah, it uh, came out she was like going out with Cara Delevingne. Four or five years ago, yeah. But like still, mm. that's a big thing <laughs> to be, uh, to keep. Yeah. She kept it under wraps for a number of years before that. Uh, fair yeah. play. And uh, so there's some of the album is about uh, inspired by that. Uh, there's a song called Daddy's Home on it. Um, and also a lot of the album. Um, I mean, this is coming after we get maybe into a bit more about the background and, and where she's coming from. But I know in the winter of 2019, it says um, after a mass seduction won the Grammy for best rock song. Nice flex there. Um, St. Vincent's father was released from prison and uh, she began writing the songs that would become Daddy's Home, closing the loop on a journey that began with his incarceration in 2010 and ultimately led her back to the vinyl her dad and introduced her to during her childhood. The record she has probably listened to more than any other music in her entire life. Music made in sepia-toned downtown New York from 1971 to 1975. And that's the majority of what we're talking about here. This is an album that wants to be self-proclaimed gritty, grimy and sleazy. Yes, it is the kind of album that rhymes uh, PlayStation with suicidal ideation. It is St. Vincent's 1970s New York-themed album, blonde wig and vintage suit and all with it. Before we dig into this album, which is, again, it was produced by Annie Clark and Jack Antonoff, but it sounds like one of them is leading the other. Let's just talk a bit about like where uh, Annie Clark has gone to and where she started from. I mean, this is her sixth album. I remember back in the day when I was going to South West and, and going to America and for music festivals and when you could do that. You know, uh, Marry Me in t- 2007, an actor in 2009, two big albums that kind of came out of the pitchfork wave of indie artists. And and uh, Annie Clark was previously playing with uh, the Polyphonic Spree because uh, they're a band from Texas as well. She was in them for a while. Who wasn't? Yeah. I, I mean, we all were. You know. Yeah, she kind of cultivated this um, singer-songwriter indie rock style that was very reflective, but also kind of erudite. And then 2011, Strange Mercy came. You start to hear some growing kind of sonic interests there, some some more ambition. And then a year later, 
uh, Love This Giant, uh, the album that she made with David Byrne was released. And I think that really kind of freed her up in terms of, well, first of all, it put her on an equal pedestal with somebody who is considered, and you know, <clears throat> I know you were looking at YouTube videos today, and uh, you can you can vouch for uh, the, <laughs> the thirstiness yeah. of David Byrne's I, audience. <laughs> I was watching a video, a music video that the two of them had done together, and was delighted to see that there were uh, quite quite a few middle aged women in the in the comments just completely thirsting over David Byrne, even after all these years. And to be fair, the man is looking well. Um, <laughs> But it just, yeah, it made me have a bit of hope. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you go, girls. You know? <laughs> stay, stay thirsty. Stay yeah. thirsty forever for your rock stars, you know. Yeah. And over the, like over this time, this five year period, I think I'd seen St. Vincent a number of times on it. Um, the stage show at Electric Picnic where herself and David Byrne played together and it was all kind of a precursor to David Byrne's Ut- American Utopia very much choreographed and very interesting and uh, a lot of movement and body and it's kind of like Love This Giant was kind of a funky album here and there you know as you'd expect from David Byrne it had that kind of flow to it Um, so and then I think she changed tact once again on the self-titled St. Vincent who's kind of embodying this kind of future dystopian kind of character. It's here that we start really seeing the character work yeah. kind of get ramping up and get going isn't it yeah it is yeah you know the likes of uh digital witness and stuff like that very much like a stylized look that she had going on which was like really great at the time and fuzzy guitar lines you really leaning into that kind of toughness and metallic noise that she can make with her guitar and she's obviously uh, an amazing guitarist but you know following a vision of something that you know is was sort of starting to be her own thing and 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 mm. feel like an artist who was truly stepping out on her own and then you know the ambition just grew from there we got we got mass seduction from in 2017 kind of uh, a lot of uh, striking imagery with uh, PVC kind of gear and setup, an album which was, you know, at the time I think I I really liked that album. But I've I've been going back and I'm interested to see how you feel about uh, her previous work before we move on to this one. At the moment, mm. uh, I was going, I went back and listened to that again. I was like, some of the stuff on it doesn't really work that well for me. But it was the first time. Was it the first time she did work with Jack Antonoff? I believe it was the first time she yeah. worked with him. Yeah. I, I will still defend Mass Seduction, I think, because I think it's so much more than the album. I think w- when you're talking about St. Vincent, when you're talking about Annie Clark, y- you have to kind of take into account all of the aesthetics around it. And I think Mass Seduction, more than any other album until this one, arguably, relied on its visual aesthetics as much as it did on its kind of sonic sound if you'll forgive me for using Mm. that phrase I really liked what she did uh, visually with that I mean I went to see her in the Olympia uh, for that show and it was it was a really striking um, sort of a a, it was a gig like no other you know it was very theatrical yeah I mean that was that was the pinnacle of that whole era I think the live show absolutely and you know there was a a a short film it it opened with a short film at the beginning beginning it was a very strange experience uh to be kind of standing in a crowd and watching a film that did feel like it was going on slightly longer than you expected it to be and then you know she she comes out in this um serene shocking pink pvc like dominatrix outfit I, I i think she said that the aesthetic for that album was uh dominatrix in a mental institution and i really liked 
how much she kind of played with femininity and and power and what power looks like and who wields it um and how sexuality and sensuality um comes into that uh, I, I i i like how i liked how feminine that album was but it was almost like femininity dialed up too much so that it's it's nearly sickly or or um or false maybe yeah there was a, there was a false femininity to it that that felt i, I mean I, th- I think you find it in the uh in, in the mass seduction music video particularly that's i i think that's the one where she has the uh where she's in the she's get, getting yeah. her face done and so on so yeah i really liked it i mean pills remains a, a, a an absolutely terrible song it should have never <laughs> happened but um but yeah, that was the one, that was, the one that was like oh, i used to like this song i don't think i like this anymore <laughs> no no i i well, yeah, no, I don't think it ever should have happened. But I mean, there there are some there are some guitar lines on that album that I I still think about. Um, I I think "Happy Birthday Johnny" is probably the most beautiful song she's ever written. Um, and it it sort of if it, it felt like her most confident and maybe her most challenging because at that point she she had stopped just trying to kind of challenge, um, the the alternative scene uh, and she was moving a lot more into pop and she was kind of challenging in that realm and I think as well she was challenging a lot of her own listeners a lot of a lot of her fans didn't like mass seduction yeah um and a lot of them did and I think that that's that's uh it's worthy of pointing out in itself that she's not she yep. she's definitely not preaching to the choir you know and then and then now with this one you know Jack Antonoff's involvement with St. Vincent over the past two albums I find very interesting like he if if nothing else, he knows how to stick to a brief, you know, yeah. like t- t- Taylor Swift wanted to amp up the kind of the snarkiness on reputation um, and Jack Antonoff delivered that in spades. The same with uh, what he did with the kind of that sickly, sugary, sweet lover album. Norman F- fucking Rockwell was a brilliant brief and was therefore a brilliant album. And it was delivered really, really well from him and he knew what to do with it. And you can't kind of accuse him of going off brief for mass seduction either uh, whether you whether you bought into mass seduction or not it was it was he was very much kind of uh following her lead on that and i think you know this this album is is nearly all brief <laughs> you know it's you, you can kind of hear those excited initial meetings between the two between the two of them you know annie clark coming into the room and saying i want this to sound like new york but it's the new york that you know from the movies it's a new york that doesn't exist and never existed it's you know you can picture those kind of woozy cigarette stained ceilings in like new york's apartments the sleaze like the kind of sleaziness of the chelsea hotel the buildings and the traffics and the down and outs kind of walking around the city it sounds like a kind of a drive around a city in the back of robert de niro's cab and taxi driver it's all drugs and sin and hedonism and it's yeah uh, there's there, there's that and then there's also the sort of uh a bit tenuous link to the the story of her father for for the amount that that story has been rolled out in in the PR in, in the run up to this album there's really not a whole lot of daddy on daddy's home there's there's not really much beyond the title track yeah i think it's more the sound that it was comes from the album um i like her her dad's record collection that's where yeah the inspiration comes from so it does kind of it's like almost wrapped it fully but it's not quite <laughs> it's like mm. half wrapped in in that but idea. i 
But I do find it interesting that, you know, this is, there's, there's a bit of a dissonance between those two worlds that she is, that she's kind of claiming to, to unite here. One is, is of a, a kind of a sleazy down and out New York City. That's all cigarettes and all sin and down and out people. And then the other is her dealing with her father's very extremely white collar crime. Mm. Um, but she I doesn't, find, does she really deal with it? No. And I, yeah, I find the two, I find th- those two things kind of hard to like, to, to match up um i don't i don't really know what their relationship is with each other unless you you kind of think about this album in terms of what what she's doing with the sound is i mean i i i don't think this album is an imitation of early 70s music i think that she's she's maybe taking that and she's warping it a little bit there are times when it sounds off there are times when you know the guitar sounds a little bit sounds a little bit off or it's it's um it's a little bit discordant um and and I think she's doing that I think she's kind of playing with memory and she's playing with um those what what she remembers those albums sounding like I suppose and then cast, casting new light on it onto them based on you know seeing seeing it through through a new lens of this new relationship with her father post post conviction um maybe that's what's going on but maybe also she just wanted to do a kind of a pastiche of of 1970s rock and that's sort of that's sort of fine too i just feel like the album that i listened to and have been listening to over the past while is very different to the album that's been promised mm. in the in the run up pure uh, i don't know did you find that yeah, so uh, I mean, it's hard to know. It's a, it's a funny. It's been a funny listen um, this week listening to this album. It's kind of porous. It just keeps like coming through my ears and then like uh, dissipating, and then I'm kind of like, what one is that again? I mean, what I can, what what is very obvious is that kind of yes, it's going for that seventies uh, rock, um, R and B and soul and pop kind of Americana vibe the new york thing is very present on it the bright soulful backing vocals really uh, are very different for uh, st vincent but they also <clears throat> remind me of you know when david bowie was in the seven uh, making music in the 70s and he termed his like young americans period as plastic soul and it kind of feels a little bit like that as well it's like you know, Bowie was very knowing in, in what he was doing at the time, saying, oh, here I am, this white limey making black music. And there's there's an element of that here where you're not quite mm. sure how much is, uh, is she totally getting away with or is she making her own. But then at the same time, you know, I hear a lot of comparisons in this album to the likes of uh, Beck and the kind of music mm. he made in his early career that kind of, it's clearly indebted to kind of funk and soul, but it's kind of a, it's a whiter version and it's therefore less funky and therefore it's not dance music, but it is, you know, it has some nods to some of those rhythms and melodies. Uh, yeah. I think what is really interesting here is uh, in terms of as a guitar player, you know, she's playing the sitar a lot and that is electric sitar. That is something that is very fresh and new for her. Um, and it does give that out al- the album a very, you know, I mean, that a sitar is a sitar. It is synonymous with the Beatles and psychedelia and all that kind of stuff. So you get a lot of mm-hmm. that kind of vibe in there as well throughout the album. Um, I think I find that hard to um, not hard. I find that interesting that she. I I think that the, the sitar throughout it, it when when it comes up, 
is one of the highlights. I love I love hearing it, and I think all the songs that it's on, she uses it very well, and it's not over egged like you would have gotten with kind of a, a lot of the Beatles stuff, um, yeah. which I love. But you know, they they really they bought a sitar and they used it. You know, uh, she, there's a bit more subtlety here, but I think her using the sitar as synonymous with 1970s rock without I guess challenging the implications of how synonymous synonymous it is with 1970s rock um, the implications being that it is um appropriative and and all of those sort of things is interesting yeah, yeah it's 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 interesting yeah um, it does I'm, not pose saying, questions. I'm not saying it's good I'm not saying yeah. it's bad it's just it's there same as the you know delving and uh, like alluding to her father being in in prison but not really mm. exploring it in the same way mm. a lot of references here on the album and uh, say the uh, song which is actually one of my highlights the melting of the sun a love letter mm. to a strong female artist we've got like references to jane mansfield and Joni mitchell uh, early 60s actually as well nina simone pink floyd mentioned in there on tori amos as well this is something that Lana Del Rey did on her album earlier this year as well. Um, yeah. I wonder, you could probably make a playlist out of the Jack Antonoff produced uh, records that have songs that pay homage to 1960s and 1970s uh, yeah. tragic women in rock on on it. Uh, I, I do love that song. Actually, yeah, let's talk about some of the songs. Because um, yeah. we, we heard Pay Your Way in Pain there uh, at the beginning. I... I really, I did not like it the first time I heard it. Really, really, really do like it now. But I find it to be quite the false start to this album. Um, when when you're first going into it, if you think that the rest of the album's going to sound like "Pay Your Way in Pain," I think you're going to be sorely mistaken. It's it's a lot. It's a lot more in the wheelhouse of the mass seduction era or, yeah. or even going further back. It it, it, you it know has what I think those it kinds is? of guitar I think, sounds. I think it's that rigidity to her the music that she can very much like bake into the that kind of era and the, like the tightness of it all you're like mm. a lot of this album is quite loose and um, rhythmically quite loose and then you know it came from jamming so it does kind of feel like that sometimes that can be refreshing mm. for uh, when sometimes it's it's almost claustrophobic sometimes to listen to some St. Vincent songs because she's so she pummels everything with like sonics mm. and uh, low end and synthesizers and guitar sounds and you're like whoa sometimes you're just like and there is an element of that although like she calls pay your way uh, well I don't know if she does or whoever the PR person does but it's like sleazy funk yeah there's an element of that kind of slouchy kind of funk thing going on but it is a bit less obvious and uh, it's but it still is quite, very much a St. Vincent song it is, you know yeah, yeah, compared does, to some yeah. of the others like, on this and I like, do, you do feel like she's wearing the coat of of this idea of uh, the the character um, mm. you know there's a song here called uh, Candy Darling which is about the New York City socialite actress and transgender icon and that closes out the album pretty much and uh, you know it's a story that um, she was inspired by it was, and, and she calls it a perfect Manhattan story and I think you know, there's a lot of that trying to embody this cinematic world that maybe doesn't exist and or maybe never did, but is, you know, the stories we were told about, like you said, about the seventies in New York and, and yeah. the people and the characters and the, the blonde wigs and the and the fancy suits and the, you know, late nights and, and uh down and out people, you know. 
Yeah. So it's, somebody in the Discord actually said that it sounds it, it sounds like it could soundtrack the Deuce, um, the TV show The Deuce, and I think that that's 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 pretty spot on. Actually, it's it's definitely it's definitely um, going for a kind of uh, cinematic lilt. I don't think it always achieves it. I think there there, there are some songs uh, on this album that kind of lean more towards like the prog side of things that I don't think work as well. I think they're fine as standalone songs, but um, they sort of jolt me out of the narrative a little bit. Um, I think Live in the Dream is a fine song. I just cannot fathom why it's placed in between Daddy's Home and Melting Sun. It it just doesn't sit right for me there. Melting Sun, though, I love. I think that that's a really, that's probably more... um, more of an indicator of what you're hearing in the rest of the album than say pay your way in pain or or down which is the other single which i do really like as well it's it's uh it's warm and groovy the production's really great but it's a it's quite a straightforward song uh it's a really straightforward melody which we we don't usually tend to get with her we tend to get things that are a little bit more disjointed and and challenging but i think it works really well and i i am a sucker for that gospel choir throughout and and the sitar on on this track is is and you did and you did use the word groovy there i just want to yeah that out. it grooves groovy. it certainly grooves <laughs> living the dream is kind of an interesting one because you know i think what really lifts, lifts that song in the end it's kind of a in this psychedelic stupor and then this uh her guitar is what uh what solves the whole thing resolves the whole thing in a really nice way mm. do you struggle at all with the arc i suppose in that yeah. there isn't one i don't yeah i don't know I, I that's what i was trying to get at like and you know i don't know if i've said this before in the podcast and i really wish i had more often because i mm. wish that people pr people and media who are getting you know who are sending out albums would send the lyrics as well send so, the lyrics please so it's so useful to because you get them if you buy it but you can you rarely get the uh the, the uh, lyrics if you uh in advance and it's uh it really mm. does change things because you know it really yeah. does help to kind of understand and and uh place and, and contextualize the album but yeah, yeah so no, nonetheless though i do think that the the problem that i have with the album's um arc and cohesion is it, it still exists even if the even if i had the lyrics in front of me i think it, it, i i just don't know what the journey is here the the you know, like Saint Saint Vincent is a character. She's she'll be the first person to admit that, and this is just another iteration um, of of this character. And so, if if I'm going to buy into this, I sort of I sort of want an arc for this character. I want a story, and these fourteen songs, and three of them are humming interludes, which could completely be just left off. This is I yeah. see absolutely no reason why they need to be here. Um, I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to kind of feel. I don't know what resolution I'm supposed to feel by the end of it. Um it also doesn't really sound to me like a like v- vignettes either. Mm. I feel like it's it, it's a record that's sort of I I I do think it improves with listens, like with more listens. I think it gets more expansive and you hear more of kind of her on it. But I can't help but be kind of distracted by how much she is concerned with the concept, you know, like there are times when it's really bogged down in homage to the point where I don't really know what the point is um, or it lacks cohesion or an arc, like I said, or it just kind of meanders into this like overwrought territory. 
it it is though it is brilliantly produced it's it's sharp as attack and i i do like that about it about it it's it's a pop album masquerading as a 70s rock um but i just kind of wish that she had a hook or a narrative to have hung it on because just saying that you want to create a sound that is you know 1970s sleaze it's like, okay, that's great. You've done that and it sounds brilliant, but what are you doing with that? And that's, I think, my problem. It's just that the, that extra step isn't there for me. Um, now, I might get there. Um, I liked Mass Seduction the more I spent time with it, so I'm, I might find my way there. But at the moment, after you know, eight, eight or 10 listens or, or however many listens it is, I, I feel like it's a very stylish album. It sounds brilliant all all of the music on it sounds great I love what she's doing with the gospel choir I love what she's doing with uh with the guitar I like that it's a bit more of a grounded sound for her but it's just that extra step into making me kind of think about something that she hasn't done I think the only song that I felt really hit by was Melting Sun. I felt like that song has really got something to say. Yeah. Um, it's a singular well. song. It's a very singular song. It is, yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's 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 an album that I, I'm, I am going to spend more time with because I, I want to like it because it sounds like the music I like. Yeah. But I'm just, I think right now I'm just not quite there yet. I don't know if there is, there is no cohesive narrative in this and maybe there's some elements here that you know, the artist decided they wanted to do, um, explore this territory or this idea, but, you know, this is what they came up with. As a result, it's more of the sound as opposed to a unifying, overarching theme that was throughout mm-hmm. the album. You know, Down is uh, a song that's essentially a revenge fantasy. Go get your own shit, get off my tit, go face your demons, check into treatment, go flee the country, go blame your daddy, just get it far away from me. Um, that's very immediate compared to what is a lot of what's happening here you're like the opening track mm. um pay your way in pain um so mm. it's like painting the idea of a woman who's so you know abhorrent to other women that uh that uh so i went down to the park just to watch the children the mother saw my heels and they said i wasn't welcome um it's not yeah and then down and out and downtown it's very much like this imagined oh i want you know last night heels on the morning train and i went back downtown I thought it was interesting that my baby wants a baby. Uh, I read a, a quote from an interview that she thought she had created um, one of the greatest melodies in, the, in 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 recent memory. And then she's like, oh, it's the Morning Train by Sheen Easton. Yeah. Um, yeah and she like, also does uh, Who's Gonna Drive You Home on Down and Out. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. The next time you listen to Down and Out, you'll you'll only be able to hear Who's Gonna Drive You Home. Um, I, I really like My Baby Wants a Baby. I think that's another standout uh, on, on the record because, again, it is kind of, it has a theme. It's dealing with something. It's making me think about something. But a lot of the other ones I just find a little bit too meandering, a little bit too stuck in its own concept. And musically that works fine because it sounds great. It's obviously going to sound great. She has the chops to rival any of the guitarists that she's kind of emulating on this record. But yeah, I don't know. It just didn't, this doesn't speak to me as an album from, from, an artist of the caliber that I believe St. Vincent to be in that I just, I don't, I'm not consistently buying into the concept here. I just, yeah. I, I think it's too long. Do you think it's, it's too self-conscious? 
no i think it's not self-conscious enough i don't i don't i don't i really don't mind the uh like i said i don't mind the the concept of you know 1970s i think musically it works great but there's for me not not enough um i'm, I'm not exactly looking for self-reflection from her but yeah. i'd like to hear a character and i don't i don't really hear uh, a consistent voice throughout this record i, I think it's a bit uh it's a bit hodgepodge yeah i mean i definitely have the feeling that it, she uh, doesn't quite embody that character it feels more like a secondhand account or art made from a secondhand account as opposed mm. to you know someone mining someone's experience and creating something new out of it um so in that way it does feel a bit more like artifice than mm. than pure you know we've I've taken this idea and made this create this world out of it it's like yeah i can see how it works in the videos because that's obviously very effective when you're like well obviously the videos are going to be very 70s themed yeah and 70s cartoons and you know her her snl performance was outstanding as well and it was a real um a real testament to the to what could have been the character you know like i i think i think it just didn't land on on uh on on the album as a whole well, all i really remember from that is you know she had the backing uh singers the backing singers on the album actually uh are lynn fidmont and kenya hathaway who's donny hathaway's daughter and so she's on the album. Um, they're absolutely brilliant on it. When, yeah. when Whenever their voices come in, they lift whatever song they're on, whether it's just for a couple of lines or whether they're right in there in the chorus like like they are for, for Down. I love I love that she em- like embraced the kind of the soul gospel side of things. And I think that those are the elements of the album that I love the most. Um, yeah. Just a, just a bit disjointed, but you know, yeah. worse things have happened. Okay, very good. Um, and there's there's yeah, no I'd song on that. it that's as bad as pills. No, <laughs> no not not. not by a country no, mile. Like the the, like the songs on it that aren't great are just that they're not great. They're but they're good. You know, yeah, they're not. No, there's no bad songs probably. on it. You're not going to skip no. them. Um, no. Yeah. Well, I was going to say. Uh, uh, in the con- in earlier on today, I did have a look at a couple of reviews, and I have to say, I really did enjoy uh, the quietest one from Eve oh, me too. Willis. Uh, I want there are some lines on that. Yeah. that I mean, are ultimately, really good. Yeah. Spoiler alert for the actual thing. I mean, she is a fan of St. Vincent and does kind of roll back on this a bit and like, look, I still, this is what I like about her. Um, but I love the first line. Of, There's a certain kind of person who thinks that living in New York is an adequate substitute for a personality. And you're like, oh, this is going to be a takedown. It's Sorry, not so much, but... Um, she does go on to say, in an album that is more shtick than sleaze, the listener wades through endless references to a downtown that only exists in the imagination of a wet-eyed Scorsese fanatics. Days blonde with drug problems, absent brooding daddies, these mean and horrible streets. St. Vincent, was it sleazy when you collaborated with Vaux-Clico to open a pop-up champagne bar in Covent Garden? I just want to know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Absolutely <laughs> stunning. Brilliant, but I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so that's worth. Yeah, it's it, it's an excellent review. Actually, it's I I really enjoyed that review because she can say all of those things and then still say that she liked the album. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's it's good. that's it's kind like, of what, what what being like a a pop critic is. It's like, oh God, I hate you, but you're good. So <laughs> yeah, and I think that's kind of it. if you want a high production, catchy album that's cheesy, fun, and occasionally a bit naff, get Daddy's Home. So yeah. Go. Um, I think that's kind of how we land on it as well. Um, I would say that's fair enough. So, 
Yeah, play a song. Let's play uh, the Magic of the Sun. Seems it's uh, one of our. St. Vincent and it is called Daddy's Home. So um, yeah, thanks uh, Andrea for your thoughts on that. What have we got left? I have a few things to plug actually. Well, first of all, of course, our Patreon uh, patreon.com forward slash 909 Nice chats on the Discord as ever. Do join us. It is good crack and uh, it is my water cooler uh, for yeah, me too. For, for work and I, I really enjoy it. Um, Saturday, obviously last week uh, the podcast came out on Monday or Tuesday whatever that was um, because uh, Tuesday I believe uh, because I was in Derry uh, we, we were doing a live stream show which will be going out in June uh, we've got two nights of uh, two Fridays in June, 18th of June and 25th of June live from a beautiful venue called St. Columns Hall in Derry, we got Nilo and Genova on the 18th and Soda Blonde Fia Moon on the 25th um, it was just such a lovely thing to be able to do, Andrea. Just like go to a gig, go to a venue, watch some bands, um, uh, interview them, chat to them, see people. I saw people in real life. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, very, that sounds very, mad, very to be good. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was really refreshing. <laughs> and then something else which I worked on last year for a long of the last uh, few months of the year is going out. Uh, as of Monday, it starts next week. Um, it is going out on two FM on the uh, at eight PM. It is a basically a documentary style series about uh, the music business and uh, advice from loads of artists. We spoke to loads of bands and bookers and producers and managers and people who work in the industry, lawyers and all that kind of stuff about, you know, uh, breaking uh, into the music biz, making a career out of it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it is called, uh, it is very obviously called The Music Biz, but uh, look, I think it's actually really good and uh, it's on 2FM uh, starting next week. I think that's on next two weeks on the Monday, Tuesday uh, Wednesday so do look out for that I think it goes out during Tara's show Tara Stewart show anyway so that was something that we were working on a lot on last year so uh, delighted to finally see it now so yeah Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday 17th, 18th, 19th May and then the following week as well there's six episodes in total Um, so yeah do look out for that uh, yeah what about yourself Any, any, anything you'd like to plug? As usual, andrea-cleary.ghost.io is my newsletter. I will be um, sending out a new edition 
uh, over the next few days. I read Annie McManus's uh, novel, um, who is Annie wider Mac. known as Annie Mac. Um, I have a review of it in the Business Post this Sunday in the book section. Uh, so you can go there for my thoughts on it. Spoiler, it's very, very good. Um, I would recommend pre-ordering it. Uh, it has a beautiful cover as well. It's a really great very book. Um, I think, no, nothing else to plug uh, yet. Good, good. Well, that's all right. <laughs> Yet, yeah. oh, Ooh. Oh. <laughs> teasing. What could that mean? You're teasing. Um, I like it. I'm teasing. Um, yeah, no, that's it. Uh, everyone should be watching Taskmaster so that they can. <laughs> I to started. Me. I started watching Taskmaster because I remember. Niall, um, and, uh, tell me all your feelings. I'm, ha- I'm halfway through the uh, the season. I think. Uh, yeah. Look, did I, you get I, to the episode yet? Uh, I don't think. so. Do you so. know what I mean by that? Okay, no. then you haven't. No, okay. I don't know. This is the new season you're watching, yeah? Yes, with the... With they're, your... they're all brilliant on it. Yeah, I haven't seen... Uh, Ed Wozniak is his name, isn't it? Yeah. Mike um, Wozniak. Mike. Mike. Yeah. I said My Ed. husband. Your husband. My husband. Um, would you um, say that if you didn't have a lovely moustache? No. I've seen pictures of him without the moustache, <laughs> and I think that he is a man who needs to oh. have a moustache. No, no, he's, he's an incredibly handsome man. Um, he has two podcasts that I've been listening to. One is called the St. Elwick's Neighborhood Association Newsletter Podcast, which is absolutely hilarious to listen to. And then he has a new podcast called Three Bean Salad. And it's him and two other comedians just chatting stuff. Um, And I know there's enough of those sorts of podcasts in the world, but this one has Mike Wozniak in it. And he's a very, very funny man. Um, So I've been enjoying that as well. Just yeah, there's only two episodes of Taskmaster left, and I genuinely don't know what I'm going to do when it's over. <laughs> it's the thing that's been keeping me afloat. Have you watched it's all of them yet? Been keeping I mean, me safe. Like, I've seen every single episode of Taskmaster. Very I reckon good. more than once. It is, Very in my good. opinion, the best thing on television. Um, there's nothing better than it. So, um, and I'm surprised that I like Lee Mack in this series because I'm not usually a big fan yeah, of his. But yeah, um, I thought he was going to be quite annoying. He's not actually that annoying. <laughs> Yeah, he's grand. He's fine. I think he's just an old school comedian, so I thought he was going to be mm. really old school, but he actually doesn't seem so bad. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's good. a testament to the format. I think that they don't have, they don't really have a chance to get in like pre-prepared one-liners and things. Uh, yeah. So it's good. Um, um, something yeah. I, I listened to yesterday that I would recommend everyone have a listen to. It is the Second Captain's uh, podcast episode, which uh, interviews Owen Keegan, the Dublin City Council Chief Executive, about the plans for Dublin's whitewater rafting in the IFSC, which is just ludicrous and ridiculous that that is even happening or even uh, still on the cards. But <laughs> you should actually listen to the interview because uh, I've never, he sounds so rattled in it. And he sounds like yeah. he's shuffling papers and he's like, right. He's pretty passive aggressively <laughs> saying, right, right. And he just comes across like, do you remember the, uh, I think it was, uh, was it the Maria Bailey interview on, on, uh, on <laughs> right away? She was like, Sean, Sean. And like, it's a bit like that. <clears throat> it's kind of like, right, right, right. He's like, mm. like he's, are you trying to convince us? Are you trying to convince yourself? Um, but that mm. is a, a, an interesting listen. I would recommend. So I can't that. believe that's a thing. Um, oh, something that I did this week that, um, is that I'd, I'd encourage people to do is uh, get in touch with your local TDs about housing, ask them what they're doing. Um, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, my local Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil TDs got back to me with a load of pre-prepared stuff um, and that's fine. But, you know, it just let them know that you're thinking about housing because this is a thing that's happening 
there's a mobilization happening um and just it's a it's a good thing to do is to let them know that this is going to be a uh, a factor for you when we do get to vote um just yeah and... a little plug for email your td and what one of my local tds as well is richard boyd barrett so i was just like richie you're doing a good job so <laughs> there's also stay, the stay cool. you know that comes after the asri uh, report saying that you know young people in ireland are actually worse off than their parents official um, which is you know pretty depressing but like we not like we didn't know that already and shocking <laughs> shocking shocking reveal not really yeah. um <clears throat> and then you know the other thing i've been thinking about a lot at the moment is uh you know culture and the erosion of culture in in this city and you know mm-hmm. especially with that like whitewater rafting stuff and then you know the dead house uh, on the keys is you know the yeah. house that um the joyce house that uh is being sold well it was sold but it's now been uh, approved by uh on board plano to be uh, turned into a hostel which is just ludicrous. yeah and it, they 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 were asked about it or they gave some statement that um it was along the lines of like oh of course we're going to pay homage to it maybe in the cafe and it's like okay <sighs> really yeah. like uh yeah look again depressed chats for another episode but um Something that you can do this week is email your TD and let them know that you are worried about this because remember, they are public servants and that's what their job is, is to listen to you, listener. So go and email them, even if they're in a party that you don't um, agree with or vote for because uh, they still need to listen to you. (laughs) You know, get involved in the Ireland-Palestinian solidarity campaign. Now's the time to do it. 100%. So, uh, yeah. You know, um, there's a lot going on in the world and uh, sometimes yeah. we, we do ignore it uh, in a podcast, but, you know, yeah. it is uh, some things can't really be ignored all the time. Um, yeah, um, um, maybe in, in the show notes, we can we can leave a link to that housing petition that is going around uh, that's call, calling for a referendum on the um, the right to to housing to, that to be put into the Constitution and also maybe some links to where you can donate to support uh, Palestinians. Um, who are uh, not not having a good time right now. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. (laughs) Politics Corner with Andrea and Niall. That's that's Um, all right. That's all right. Yeah. Um, Are you listening to anything else at the moment? Uh, Anything else we should mention? Um, I've been listening to, no, just a sort of a, do you know what I haven't been doing is listen to a lot of Spotify. Um, I've just sort of been, uh, after our Spotify episode, I've just not been on Spotify a whole lot and sort of going, oh. going into ba- band camp and stuff um, and listening elsewhere. So, yeah, listening a lot. Couldn't get, tell you any of the names of the bands I'm listening to because I've never heard um, of them before. Yeah, so. <laughs> I love the new the new Bantam song, New Leaf. It's great. Great. Um, yeah, very good. Uh, there is a, a Lauer, uh, Make It Stay uh, song that I posted a while ago. Jared Jansen did a remix of it. Um, I've been really enjoying this. Uh, I don't know much about her, but I've been mean only in the last day or so, really. Um, uh, her name is Aruj Aftab. Do you know? Have you heard of this? I think Pitchfork so. gave it a great review. Um, the album is called uh, Vulture Prince, and uh, yeah, a very interesting. She's a Brooklyn-based singer and composer, but uh, who was born in Pakistan and it has a lot of. Uh, that kind of heritage and sound in the music, but very folky as well. Um, so that's something I've been enjoying this week. Very different uh, kind of style than uh, what I'd normally be uh, delving into. But I think it's getting a lot of uh, get a lot of notice at the moment. So uh, cool. we're, we're delving into that. Uh, yeah, her name is Aruj Aftab. Uh, Vulture Prince is the album, so you can search for Vulture Prince. 
Sweet. Right, and that's yeah. it for us this week, I'd say. Um, thank you all for thanks listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks for uh, supporting us on the Patreon. Your support is ever, always, evergreen appreciated. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. You're great. You look We're great today. Here. Bye. Talk bye. to you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.